which is understanding your identity. And during worship, God changed my opening scripture. So if you would please turn to John chapter 17. And before we read that, let me just summarize last week. Like uh, Pastor Denny said, we started part one last week. This is part two. Um, so allow me to summarize part one. We looked at the scripture in Matthew 16, where Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am? Jesus then declared it was upon Peter's revelation and declaration that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of the living God, that Christ would build his church upon and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And from this foundation, Jesus gives us the keys to the kingdom of heaven, the revelation of our identity, the source of our existence, and the power to be and to do all he's called us to. Our identity as Christians, according to Colossians 3.3, is now hidden with Christ in God. When once we die to our old self and take on the new life in Christ, God raises us up and seats us with Christ at his right hand. And so we are commanded to set our hearts on things above, set our minds on things above and not on earthly things. You have been given the power, the keys to the kingdom of heaven to re retrain what you think. You are not what you think you are, but what you think you are. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we looked at that, how to retrain those thoughts. It says you must, you must demolish every argument. That's every thought, every voice in your head, every thought to demolish. You must demolish every thought every voice, every pretension. The definition of pretension we look at is the pretend feeling that tries to stake a claim in what is not its own. So a pretend feeling trying to take and lay claim to your body. We must demolish every argument and every pretension and take it captive. Grab it by the nap of the neck like a disobedient dog and make it obedient to Christ. This action must be done immediately. Not after you've rolled it over in your mind a hundred times and smeared its toxic venom all over your thoughts and all over your emotions, enslaving your body once again to it. Do it immediately. See, if what you believe does not reflect God's truth, then what you feel is not real. It's a pretend feeling trying to stake a claim to your body that it does not have any right to. But you surrender to it with your thoughts. You surrender to it. That's right. I feel it. It must be true. And God's saying, retrain, retrain the way you think. When once you understand your identity in Christ, that you are hidden in Christ, then you can love 
as Christ. Forgive as Christ. You can be holy as God is holy. I, I shared with you guys last week the, the symbolism. If you can just picture that when once we come under Christ, like going under a big blanket, then what you see is not me. You see the blanket. What I see is not you on my own. I see you through the blanket. The blanket being Christ. That's why he can make the demand. You are demanded. You are commanded to love as I love you. Why? Because once we're hidden in God, we can do that. It's not us. It's not out of our vessel. It's through our vessel. It's him. We're hidden in him. I can look at you with the eyes of Jesus. I can love you because I'm loving you through Jesus. Not out of a vessel that I have to go and scoop up and then go. I go in him. I go in him. Do you understand the difference? That once we understand our identity hidden with Christ in God, then what we walk in, we walk under the covering of That's why Paul, see, Paul understood that. That's why he could say it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and through me, in me and through me. So today we're going to finish up with part two, understanding who God is in relationship to who we are. And Crystal made a very appropriate statement. I mean, uh, me too. I'm in that, Crystal. I love cartoons, and when God speaks to me, he usually does it through cartoons, um, stupid advertisements, you know, just the simple things. He loves to take the simple things and confound the wise. I love it. Watchman Nee in his book, Sit, Walk, Stand, says, The trouble with most Christians today is that you are trying to walk before you have sat down. And in that way lies sure defeat. The secret to deliverance from sin is not just to do something, but to rest upon what God has already done. The Christian life does not begin with a do, but with a big done. It's already done. It's nothing you can conjure up, stir up, work up, work to attain. Nothing like that. It's what he's already done. The scripture I want to open with this morning is in John 17. It's when Jesus prayed for who? Us. Jesus prayed for us. Right before, right before he, he surrendered. Remember, he said, nobody's taken my life from me. I've surrendered it. He did this to atone for, to sacrifice for, to redeem us from. He did this for us. And he says, my prayer in verse 20. Is not for them alone, because right before this, he was praying for his disciples. But my prayer is not just for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, 
May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. Where is he right now? The right hand, seated at the right hand of God. Mm. I want them to be where, to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. God, you know that I am utterly and hopelessly dependent upon you and your Holy Spirit to speak your words at the appropriate time right now into prepared hearts to receive your word and produce an abundant harvest of righteousness for your glory, for your name's sake. Amen. Do you understand? He says that prayer was for us to be one with Christ in God, just as Jesus is one with the Father. That's the glory. That's everything. That's your identity in a nutshell. But see, the world screams and yells at you. You're not worthy. Don't even think about that. Oh, who are you to say that? You can't love as God. You can't be holy as God. I mean, I remember sitting in a hospital bed right after a surgery. And I mean, for one thing, I am not freaked out over the devil. He is not more powerful than God. And he is a big liar. But he will continue to use things to speak to you. See, you're unworthy. See, you're no good. See, you've you got to do this. you got to clean yourself up. You can't come to God and tell you do this, you do that. And I was sitting in this hospital bed trying to get some sleep. And the curtain closed in between me and the lady that was laying in the other bed. When just as I was about ready to fall asleep, this wicked voice from the other side of the curtain says, I know who you are. And I woke up a little bit and I went, excuse me? And that same voice said, I know who you are. And I said, devil, you're a liar. I am not that person. That person's dead. Now shut up. I'm going to sleep. Because I thought, oh, I mean, minute. All the guilt and the feelings of, oh, yeah, and how can I, how can I, how can I? I know you've heard those things. I know you've felt those things. It doesn't matter how long you've been in the world, how long you've been in Christ. It doesn't matter. Those thoughts will constantly be trying like darts to just pinpoint a place in you until you know you just get tired of ripping them down and ripping them down and all of a sudden oh, you start taking them that's true that's true I mean Paul says I'm the worst of all sinners why because he used to persecute Christians 
He used to go after them, thinking he was doing it in God's name. But did that stop him? No, because he understood the identity that he has hidden with Christ. It says it's no longer I who live. So every time the enemy tries to yell a thought, speak a thought, bring a wrong thought into your mind, or speak through somebody sitting beside you, oh yeah, I miss holier than thou. I know who you were. Well, you knew that dead person. See, that person doesn't live anymore. This is Christ living in me. That's why. That's why I can go and do everything he's calling me to. That's why I can stand here today. That's why I can lift my hands today. That's why I can lift my head. He says, I am the glory and the lifter of your head. Because it's not you. It's not me. It's God through us. We must understand this identity. In Colossians 1, 25 through 29, Paul then goes into, see, God doesn't clean you, God doesn't scoop you up, clean you up, pick you up so he can put you on a pedestal and then say, everybody, just look at them. Uh, aren't they beautiful? No, it's to put you to work from him, from him, to show them off. That's what Jesus was praying, to show you off to the world. But see, we want to get all cleaned up and then hide until Jesus comes. We don't want to get dirty, Lord. He's like, how can you get dirty? If you stay hidden in me, I'm the one that gets dirty. Oh. If you go out in the world and you think, well, I don't want the world to get my, on me. If you're hidden in God, the, the world can't get on you. He just wants to take you out there and, and say this. You know what? That song, this little light of mine. God's singing that over you. He's grabbed a hold of you when once you surrender to him and he takes you out in the world and shines you everywhere. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. And people say, oh, I see your light. I know who you were. No, that person's dead. The light in me is God through me. And over and over again, he says in his world, he does this so that the world may know. When he went and looked for his first 12 disciples, he didn't go into the synagogue to find the priests, to find the most holy. He found those that would say, I'll follow you. Paul goes on, he says, I have become its servant. Whose servant? A servant of the church. God's body. He surrendered to the body, which Christ is ahead. By the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations and is now disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, among the world. He's chosen to make known among the world the glorious riches of this mystery, which is, drum roll, that's right, Christ in you. That's the mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing him and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect 
in Christ. To this end, I labor, Paul says, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. He doesn't have to labor, toil, and, and strain and struggle in his own strength. He understands that it's in God that we find his strength in us, his power in us, his ability in us, his word in us, his hope, his glory in us. Philippians 2.13 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You don't have to run around, oh, I wonder what I should do. I wonder if I should go here. I wonder if I should go there. I wonder, 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 wonder. All we have to do is stay hidden in him. He gives us the desire and the power to do everything that pleases him. You don't even have to worry. Is this a good desire? Is this a bad desire? Are you in God? Then it's his desire. Our primary purpose is to keep ourselves hidden with Christ in God. This is where we find our true identity. And it's there that his true identity is revealed to us. Again, I just love that song. I can't even think of what the title of it is. But there's one little part of that song that said, I never saw this side of your heart before, Lord. You won't see that rolling around in the mud thinking, I'm a worm, I'm a worm, I'm horrible, I'm horrible. And he's like, really? Because I thought it's me living in you. So you saying, I'm unworthy, I'm dirty, I'm a worm? No. That's what you say without God. But when you're with God, he cleans you up, he picks you up, he puts you up underneath his wing. And then it says, oh my goodness, the scripture where it says the Holy Spirit then takes from the deep hidden things of God and reveals them to you. It's like he's got a secret castle, right? Secret room. Those I loved watching those old movies where they had like behind the bookcase, you can go through this tunnel into this secret room. He has a secret room just for you. And the Holy Spirit says, come on, let me go show you this side of God, that side of Christ. Did you ever think about this? Did you ever think about that? And now all of a sudden, you know, it's like, you know, a little light bulb, boop, 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 you know, going off in your mind that you just can't contain yourself. It's like God is just so big. The universe can't contain him. As a matter of fact, I don't know who I was talking to about this, but it's not that the heavens were created for God. God is so immaculately, majesty, big, I mean, just humongous, that in him, heaven is contained. The universe, the galaxies, it's everything. It's a part of him. Can you even begin to fathom the bigness of God? And so we, we, when we cry and when we, we toil and when we struggle and when we worry about how is this going to happen, how is that going to well, what if this happens, what is it? It's as if we can do anything ourselves. He's, once we die to the old man, and take, as the Bible calls it, a marriage with Christ. 
We are the bride of Christ. We take on his identity. I mean, this ring on my finger when I said yes to Brian almost 29 years ago, it was a symbol that I take off Brenda Lee. And I put on Brenda Maurer. This is a symbol that I will forever carry that name. And my identity is as Brenda Maurer now, no longer as Brenda Lee. That's the oneness that Christ says, I want with you, that you take upon yourself everything I am. Leave that that you were. Take on everything I am. Slip the ring on your finger and slip into the identity with me. Take on my name. And in doing so, the royal, you know, attributes, nature, resources, vastness of God's kingdom over the universe is then your inheritance. It says I'm co-heirs with Christ. Why? Because I'm his bride. And wherever he goes, I go. When I go, I can sign Brian's name. Why? Because I bear his name. I can stand as a representative for Brian because I am Brian. Do you understand that? You are Christ's. And so you carry his name. As a matter of fact, I was sharing with the, the team beforehand that we, have, we are stewards of that name. It it's, goes even deeper than back in the old days when the, the king used to take his signet ring and hand it to his steward when he wanted him to go make declarations or proclamations in his name. He could seal it with the king's signet ring. God says it's even more than that. I've made you a steward of my name. Not that I just give you my name like write it on the tablet or your heart or give you a signet. I give you the pen in your hand to sign my name for me, as me. Not just for me, but as me. He says, can you understand the power of that name? Our identity, you've got to get this or everything else. The rest of your Christian life will be toiling and struggling and trying to do for God to be. And it's backwards. God alone wants to be our everything. Do you understand that? Our everything. We don't have to do to be. Once we, once we understand that we are, then we can do. Then we can stand. He wants to be our provider, our strength, our refuge. God's desire is to give us everything we need. He rejoices in giving. He rejoices in providing. It's not a mother who only has $10 and you're asking for 12 And then she, oh, but I, well, what are you doing? No, can you at all suck up, use up, or, or request more than God has or is? No. We have wrongly assumed, again, that our works gains us access into God's blessings. But listen, it's in God's presence that his blessings reside. You're toiling around out here trying to earn something from God, like you, penitence or something, whatever that's called. Like you have to do this to gain this from God. And he's like, if you just come here, you'll find everything is right in here. 
again, we must work from our identity in Christ, not working to gain our right identity. Our misunderstanding of our identity keeps us as slaves to our flesh, slaves to the law. You understand that, what's it called, the uh, proclamation of emancipation, was that it? That when the slaves, okay. How do you think, I mean, I didn't, if I had the number right now, you'd all be impressed, but don't worry, you don't have to be impressed because I don't know the number. But it was a huge percentage of slaves continued to be slaves even after the Emancipation Proclamation. Wow, it's been a long time since I said that. Why? They actually did a study back into history and tried to figure out why. Why did they stay slaves after that proclamation? They weren't, they weren't slaves anymore. It's because the slave owners knew they were going to lose their slaves. Who was going to work their fields for them? Who was going to take care of things for them? So they had three things that they knew that they needed to do. Number one, uh, don't tell them. Don't tell them about the proclamation. Well, how could you not tell them? It's all over. It's being printed even. Everybody's talking. Keep them illiterate. Keep that paper out of their hands. Keep that word away from them. And then number three, if by chance they happen to hear or read, then all you have to do is get them to believe that they're misunderstanding it. That's not what that says. That is not what that says. Oh, but they said that we're all, we're no longer slaves. No, 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 they did not say that. Does that sound familiar? It's the exact same lie that Satan uses today. Oh, I don't have time to read the word. Oh, and who can understand it? Right? And he'll even tell you, what did you do? You didn't even understand that. That's not what that says. More and more in the last three years since I've been up here, which has just been mind-blowing, um, I don't know what it is, maybe it's holier land up here in the northern kingdom, right? But God has been um, challenging all those presumptions I had from my upbringing. I was raised in the AG. I always remember all the teacher, the, which my Sunday school teacher is still alive. Lord Jesus. I think she's one of those that will never. I think Methuselah is her middle name. But anyway, because she was old back then. I just don't. Anyway. But he's been challenging me. Is that really true? Everything. And I'll catch myself saying things. And all of a sudden, this thought, is that really true? And I'll be like. Well, if I take it back to the original, my goodness, it's not true. Where did I believe that? The thought that God wants you poor. How many have heard that in the church? God is glorified when we have nothing. I've sat under pastors who's preached that. And I actually hid that away in my heart. You know, when you're hearing things, It's your responsibility to do diligence in studying and find out, is that really what God says? And not just a 
pick a piece and say, ooh, isn't that beautiful? See? But this whole Bible is the Word of God. As a matter of fact, Thursday night, uh, we had a ad hoc life group at my house, and we just started, you know, sharing the Word with each other and challenging each other. And the idea that if I had a big table here and dumped out a beautiful puzzle piece, right? So there's a thousand pieces of the puzzle. And you're looking at each piece and you pick up a piece and you look at it and say, wow, isn't that beautiful? Well, it's more beautiful when you connect them all together. And that's the word of God. There isn't one piece of this that doesn't connect to the other. But see, for so many years, our misunderstanding of the word of God is that we pluck and pull pieces out and then stand on it. This is true. Yes, it is. When it all comes together. You can't take a piece of it and say, this is it. It all fits together. And if it doesn't fit in his nature, in his character, then it must be misunderstood. Is God a healer? Yeah. Does he heal all? Yeah. But when it happens that somebody doesn't get healed, our nature, our sin nature, our flesh wants to make a law that explains why that didn't happen. Instead of just continually, I can't understand. Can you really understand everything? No. Let's just get that. No. I can't understand, but I know God's word says he heals all. He heals all. He healed all. So I will keep believing and I will keep praying. I will keep believing and I'll keep praying. I won't try to set an excuse for when I don't understand. Our misunderstandings of our identity keeps us slaves to our flesh, slaves to the law. God's desire to give has been misunderstood for generations throughout the church. See, his goodness is not earned. His love is not earned. His gifts are not earned. He doesn't choose to love. He is love. He doesn't choose to be good to you. He is good. He doesn't choose to give. He is a giver. The story of the prodigal son. Think about that. And, and if you don't know the story, the story is that there was two sons, the father and the father who, you know, had a big inheritance for his two boys, an older son and a younger son. And the younger son came to the father and said, I want my inheritance now. Before you die, I'm sick of waiting for you to die. die. I want it now. And then he takes it and the father gives it to him. As a matter of fact, when he split up the inheritance, he had to split it up to both of them. So he gave the inheritance to the older son, and he gave the inheritance to the younger son, because the younger son demanded it now. He gave it to him. The younger son took his money and went off, and it said in wild living, he lived to please himself. He used it all on himself. And then when he finally had nothing left, 
nowhere to go, nowhere to live, nothing to eat. Then he realized, I think I might have sinned. So he says, uh, even the hired hands at my father's house have more than I have now. So I'm just going to go and make myself a slave to God or to my father. And so I'll go back and tell my father, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against God. Just make me a hired hand. Just hire me on. But when he came back to the father, it says the father was already sitting, waiting and watching, longing for that son to return. And when he did return and he, I mean, he went through his, you know, I, 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 I've worked this up. I've memorized what I was going to say to my daddy. And when he came to his daddy and said, would you just hire me on? I've sinned against you, sinned against God. Would you just hire me on as a slave? I know that I'll have more than I have now because I've wasted everything else. It's all gone. His father didn't just say, okay, go to work. What did he do? He lavished upon him all that he is, always was. He revealed to him again who his identity was. You will always be my son. You are my son. Put the ring on his finger. Put the robe on him. And he said, let's have a feast. But the older son, the whole time the younger son was out spending everything and just worrying about himself, was working. He was out there in the field. He was out there in the barns. He was working, working. And all of a sudden, he's like, hey, I think there's a party going on. And then the father had to go out there and call his older son. Come on, why are you out here working? We're partying. Your younger brother came home. We're partying inside. We're celebrating him. And he's like, oh, sure, you party for him. What about me? Look at me. I've been working all this time. And he said, all I had is already yours. Do you understand that? He was already given his inheritance the same time the younger brother was. He said, everything I have is yours. If at any time you wanted to enjoy it, you could. All you had to do was ask. And so now if we relook at that story, think about it. The older son working and toiling to what? To earn his father's approval that he already had. He was working and toiling what? To get something he already got. And then he became indignant. He became angry. He was upset. Why are you celebrating this son of yours who wasted everything you gave him? Said, really? Because it's not gone. I still have more. As a matter of fact, if you want it, you could have had it too. What are you waiting for? The older son thought that he had to toil insistently for his father's approval. But a younger brother only had to surrender to his father. You see, when we seek to do things ourselves, we place ourselves back under the law. Do, do, do is all the law tells you to do. Do, do, do. Why? So you can be righteous, so you can be holy. Trying to attain righteousness through our own good works. That's the law. Summed up in one sentence. The older son was at home, but his heart was far removed from his father's. He didn't understand his identity. Because he didn't understand. He had forgotten. What was the word? He had forgotten who his father was. The older son could not find rest in his toiling 
there would be no rest when you're toiling and trying to take care of things on your own. This breaks down, that breaks down, I just get a little here and then it's gone there and then it, you know, you're chasing after this and you're chasing after that because you're trying to take care of yourself. The father didn't sorrow over that which was spent. He only rejoiced in the opportunity the son's return afforded him in spending more. You cannot diminish the father's resources. God's chief delight is to give. His treasure houses are so full that it's painful to him when we refuse him the opportunity to lavish his treasures upon us. Again, I've told you the story over my own heart and my boys and, and um, raising up adopted children. It's hard for them to understand that they have. When they've been through a turmoil in their life, to say the least, any tragedy in a child, it immediately turns on survival mode in their mind. And they've got to grab, they've got to gain, they've got to get and they've got to keep. They've got to hoard. That's why so many adopted children or even foster children um, will hoard things. Because they, they can't let go and trust. That broke my heart every time I would see the, the boys hoard something or, or walk around as if they had nothing. And one of them I would have to consistently take through the house and walk them through. Do you see all the food in the cupboards? It's all yours. You can have it anytime. You don't need to steal it. You don't need to hide it. It's all yours anytime. See this bed? Have you ever had a bed like this? Blankets and pillows. You ever had a room? Look around. You like the nice things? It's all yours. And remind them there's nothing they have to toil for or try to earn approval for. It's already theirs. It's all theirs. It pains my heart as a mom for the boys to think they have to go without when I want to give them. It's the same thing with our Heavenly Father. Everything is His and He wants you, wants you to give Him an opportunity to lavish upon you His love, His goodness, his abundance, but he says, all you have to do is stay hidden in me, and it's all there. It's a grief to the heart of the Father when we try to provide things for ourselves. He longs that we would just allow him to do, allow him to do and give to us. And let me close with, with this. Proverbs 18 Let me read this scripture to you, and then hopefully it will be with God's grace and mercy here as eye-opening to you as it is to me. The understanding of who God is and what he wants to give us who stays hidden in him, all that we inherit when once we say yes to Christ. And take on his identity. Stay hidden with him. Psalms. Oh, and I turned to Proverbs. No wonder that's not all marked up. Psalms 18. Psalms. 
starting with verse 30. It says, As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. He is a shield for all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You give me your shield of victory and your right hand sustains me. You stoop down to make me great. You broaden the path beneath me so that my ankles do not turn. I pursued my enemies and overtook them. I did not turn back till they were destroyed. I crushed them so that they could not rise. They fell beneath my feet. You armed me with strength for battle. You made my adversaries bow at my feet. You made my enemies turn their backs in flight. And I destroyed my foes. They cried for help, but there was no one to save them to the Lord, but he did not answer. I beat them as fine as dust borne on the, on the wind. I poured them out like mud in the streets. You have delivered me from the attacks of the people. You have made me the head of nations. People I did not know are subject to me. As soon as they hear me, they obey me. Foreigners cringe before me. They all lose heart. They come trembling from their strongholds. The Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. Exalted be God my Savior. He is the God who avenges me, who subdues nations under me, who saves me from my enemies. You exalted me above my foes. From violent men you rescued me. Therefore, I will praise you among the nations, O Lord. I will sing praises to your name. He gives his king great victories. He shows unfailing kindness to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. You are David's descendants. This is your scripture. Look at these. It goes through 21 things just in those 20 verses that God is. And then he seals it with a promise forever. God arms me with strength. He makes my way perfect. My feet are like the feet of deer, which means I'll have that young energy forever. He enables me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for vet for battle. He gives me his shield of victory. Do you understand that? He already fought the war. He already won. Victory has already been made and then he hands you his shield and says now stand in my victory. Here it is. Whose victory? Papa Daddy's right there. You've got a great big shield in front of you that as the enemy starts to come you lift that up and say sorry you're already defeated. He gives me his shield of victory. His right hand sustains me. Where are you seated at? His right hand. When you're hidden with Christ in God, right here is where he sustains you. His right hand sustains you. He stoops down to make me great. 
What mother, what father does not pray and toil and strain and, and just want their child to be great? It doesn't limit his majesty by making you great. No. I mean, the best things my kids can do is be great because that makes me greater. I'm like, that's my boy. That's my daughter. I'm that mama. He says he stoops down to make me great. He broadens the path beneath me. He arms me with strength for battle. He makes my adversaries bow at my feet. He makes my enemies turn their backs in flight, tuck tail and run. He delivers me from the attacks of the people. He made me the head of nations. He avenges me. He subdues nations under me. He saves me from my enemies, exalted me above my foes. He rescues me from violent men. He gives me great victories. He shows me unkind, unyielding kindness, unfailing kindness when forever. Forever. That's who you are with Christ in God. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. In Christ dwells the fullness of God. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says, In Christ dwells the fullness of God. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and every authority. In Christ. You cannot earn your way into the throne of God. You simply let go of the world and cling to Christ. Then from heavenly, from that heavenly seat, God in you gives you all you need to accomplish all he asks of you. It's from your identity in Christ that you stand in his power, in his strength, in his victory. So what I want us to do right now is, would you just please stand? questions because I think we need to take the rest of this time and I think we need to repent confess some misunderstandings about our identity you know like the elder brother I believe I did I did I did this I felt like I had to earn God's approval I had to toil I had to work for it before God would I couldn't ask God until I well Brenda you're not doing this you're not doing this you're not doing this so how can you expect God to they're all misunderstandings and I, I understand the church wants to make sure that you don't fall over the edge into the grace that's all by grace. Do whatever you want. Live as the world and love as God. God is love. So you can do whatever you want to do. And God has to love you because he is love. It's ridiculous. 
says, when you take on me, it's as if, remember, a wedding. This, this ring symbolizes that I give myself to my husband alone. All my love, all my devotion. Come on, do we need to go through our marriage vows again? All my love, all my devotion. When? Through sickness and in health. Through rich times and poor times. I am completely, utterly devoted to you. I know you're looking at me back there like, yes, Brian, I still am. Same thing. When we take on that marriage with Christ, utterly, hopelessly devoted to you, all my love and all my attention, then we are with Christ and then hidden with God. Do you understand? So like the old song says, you know, when I turn my face fully upon you, the things of the world just become strangely dim. Why? They don't matter anymore. They just don't matter anymore. But see, when we constantly focus on, well, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this, then that's what we're preoccupied with. And all the time, God's tapping you on the shoulder and saying, would you just look at me? Just look at me. Turn your face to me. The father telling the older brother, you know, all this was yours all the time. Would you just look to me? I believe that we need, there's some of us in here today, like I was, that needs to uh, repent for our uh, misunderstanding or our Christian lifestyle as the older brother. I believe that we had to do, do, do before we could be. And we got to change the way we think and surrender to the being so that we can do. Or are you like the younger brother that you've been constantly just grabbing up what you feel is yours and going out and spending it on yourself? you possibly compare what could you possibly gain that, that God can't give you you think that whatever you can get on your own you have the right to spend on your own and God's like you're just toiling over trash and I have true treasure Stop toiling over gaining trash when I have true treasure. If you would just come back, Father, I've sinned against you. And surrender to Him. All we need, want, desire, commissioned to do, commanded to do, and the power to do is found in Him. The question is, will you stop toiling and struggling to do and simply be? Be in Him. So with every eye closed, every head bowed, I want to pray for you. I have workers that want to pray for you, altar team, prayer team that wants to pray for you. But let's just wait for a second. I want to make sure we're waiting. Because the Holy Spirit is always moving. 
speak into our hearts, speak into our to our minds, and speaking to us and making us aware, making us aware of things in our life wrong. wrong beliefs even in our lives and he like shines a light inside of us and saying is that really true do you really believe is that what who I am is that who you are and when he shines a light on that area in our life we need to like the younger brother finally just throw up our hands and say oh God I'm sorry I believe that Spirit, just continue to shine your light right now as we just wait upon you. Do your work. Do your work. Do your work. Holy Spirit, reveal things. Deep hidden things of God right now. Reveal, 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 reveal. his word and he'll be faithful to prove his word miracles signs and wonders it says will accompany God's word when it's preached if you need a miracle in your life as Crystal mentioned earlier you feel like you have this mountain that it's just right there in the in, in the forefront of your mind, every time you try to take a step out for God, there it is. Whatever giant that is in front of you. God's bigger than it. God's bigger than it. So let's just... I want to call you up. I want to call you up to the altar. And again, we call you up to the altar because it is it's a proclamation to your flesh that it's not in charge. And I come up front as a sign, as a symbol to God that like the younger son, he didn't just phone home. He came home. So let me just ask you right now, if there's something in, now let me be careful to ask correctly here. How many identify with the older son that you feel like you, you, you're a Christian, but I've just been working, I feel like I have to constantly work for God's approval, or that I have to earn something. How many identify with the older son in that story? I see your hand. How many identify with the younger son that you feel like you've had to grab a hold and run and take or keep for yourself? How many believe the sky is blue, grass is green? I know your arms move. Yeah. 
just a surrender of your heart. It's a surrender of your will when you come up to the front. Remember, you always have to keep pride underfoot. Pride underfoot. And you have to step out and do things that you think are humbling. Why would God ask me to do that? To keep you Keep pride underfoot. Pride is the big eye. Oh, God can touch me in my seat. Do you want him to? Is it ever a good thing when the parent has to go after the child to find them? I've been calling you and you're not hearing my voice. God says. I remember one time I was in a, a worship service. Crowds of people around the altar. And you could hear them. They were crying and some were laughing and some were rejoicing and some were singing. And all of a sudden, God just came over me in such a way. I was flat on my face and just bawling. I couldn't control it. And every once in a while, I would come to my senses and think, this looks ridiculous. What am I doing? And God says, who do you want? Do you want me or you want you? And so I just let myself, just, you know, and I just surrendered. God, I just want all of you. And then I don't know how long I was down there and I started to stand up on my own and couldn't still even lift my head. I was just, just so enamored by God's heaviness, his presence around me. I couldn't even open my eyes. But in the spirit, I looked and saw all the people standing where they were. And then he said, open your eyes. And so I opened my eyes and I saw the people standing exactly how I had seen them. And I saw Jesus walking through them. And every once in a while, he would come right up and stand before somebody who was praising the Lord and singing loudly. And he was right in front of them. And then he would slip through the crowd and he would come to another. And he would slip to them and come to another. And then as he got closer to me, I mean, I was just like, I was already just overwhelmed in his presence. And then he stood before me. And I'm like, I could feel him just take his hands and put them on my shoulder. And I'm like, why didn't you do that with the others? He goes, I waited for them to ask. He said, they sing to me, they pray to me, but they don't receive me. See, we say we want God, but he's saying, here I am. Here I am. And we praise, oh God, do this for us. Oh God, do that for us. And he says, okay, I will. And then we go off and do our own thing. So when I call you up to the front, when pastors call you up to the front, it's to help you step out of what you've been living in. Set that down and step into something new. Let today be something new for you. Find something new in God, a deeper revelation of who God is, who you are in God. Step into that. So let's open up the altars and ask the prayer team to come up and let's just step into Step into your identity. Your identity is hidden with Christ in God. Say 
yes. Say yes to the marriage. Say yes to the ring. Say yes to the surrender. Say yes to the robe. Say yes to the Father. All the fullness of God is found in Christ. Yes, yes, yes. God, we say yes. God, we we ask that you forgive us, Lord, for misunderstanding your word, for believing things that weren't true about you, that weren't true about us. Those pretensions, those pretend feelings that try to lay claim to us, God. God, we take those thoughts captive. Hmm. We demolish those thoughts. We demolish those lies. And right now we choose to make them obedient to you. We push them down to the truth of your word. Line up with the word or you'll be found a liar. Yes. God, we just surrender to you. We crawl into you, God. We crawl under you. Thank you.